0: Thank you, Christy. That was awesome. Well, stand with me, if you will. We're going to read Scripture together. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed. That's okay, we can read it together. Were we reading it together? Let's continue doing that, I like that. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Lord, bless this word to us today. Uh, Multiply it and use it. Uh, to provide change and transformation in our life, the life of our church, the life of our families, and the life of our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you can't tell yet, uh, this is my life verse, and I believe I've preached from this verse or I've used this verse multiple times in the, the short time that I've been your senior pastor. I just love what Paul is saying in Romans. If, if I were to describe holiness, what, what our distinctive doctrine is, what it means to be sanctified, entirely sanctified, what it means to be full of the Spirit, what it means to be fully consecrated to God, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is the scripture that, that I use because I believe it explains it and one of the easiest ways uh, possible, it, it explains it in terms of, of my sacrifice, of my giving of myself to God. And, and so I love this verse and, and I believe this passage, I believe it's important to us. As we consider what it means to be ordinary people following Jesus. And, and we've been tracking who we are, we've been tracking our vision, who we are as ordinary people following Jesus. Next week, we're gonna talk about our mission and, and our mission statement. And our mission statement is loving as we go. And and those two phrases kind of work together. We're ordinary people following Jesus, loving as we go. And, and we've been tracking this ideal of ordinary people following Jesus, what it means and, and, and how God is moving in the life of our, our congregation. He's moving in our life. And, and I think it's important as we consider this little phrase, ordinary people following Jesus, that we consider what God does within us when we wholeheartedly follow him. See, see God doesn't leave us where we are. God doesn't leave us in the mess of life and God doesn't leave us in chaos, but, but he offers something more. And this, so this morning as we conclude this series, I want you to see that, that God offers transformation, not conformity. If, that, if that's positive, you say amen. You know, God doesn't offer us to, to remain or doesn't ask us to remain in the same chaos he finds us in. God doesn't ask us to be conformed, but God offers transformation in our life. Now, I think that's different than then often what we think of when we think what it, we think consider what it means to be a christian we we tend to think following god is about following rules and 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 following god is a is about fitting in and following god is about this cookie cutter christianity where we all look the same and act the same and we we use the same holy lingo and and we wear the same holy clothes and and we begin to kind of blend and become vanilla, and and God is in the process of removing all of our distinctives, all of our spice, all of our flavor, so that we can blend in together and just look the same. Well, I'm happy to tell you this morning that that God is not trying to take your uniqueness. In, In fact, God is trying to transform you into something more than just being conformed by a group of people. As a matter of fact, that the Bible is full of stories of men and women who refused to conform and were transformed by God. That the Bible, and I love how God does this, the Bible is story after story of individuals who have been transformed by God, who refuse to conform, and God uses story after story to describe. His story, God's story, and the life of his people. That's the importance of the wall back there, by the way. I, I've asked you to, to give your testimony and put it on the wall, and, and so far we have nine or ten stories. And, and I'm hoping that doesn't mean that we only have nine or ten people that, that have accepted Christ as a Savior and are following him. If not, then I'm going to have to preach another series, okay? Okay. I'm assuming that you're just being shy or you think no one cares or you think that it's not important. Can I tell you, it is important. Your story is important. The fact that God uses ordinary people throughout history and he tells their story to tell his story tells me that my story is important and your story is important. And so as you place your story on the wall, you're continuing, you're telling what God is doing in your life, and you're telling not just your story, but God's story as it's intersected your life. And as people go and read your story on the wall, there there may be someone that what God has done in your life will resonate with them, and you will be a catalyst to them finding their connection in Christ as well. Have I plugged it enough? <laughs> it's going to be there for two or three more weeks, and folks, seriously, I want to hear what God has done in your life. Your brothers and sisters in Christ in the sanctuary want to hear what God has done in your life. Let me ask you, has God intersected your life today? If so, say amen. Now, see, you're afraid to say amen real loud, because you know I'm going to say, then put your story on the wall. The Bible's full of stories of men and women who have refused to conform, and the, the book of D- Daniel provides two real significant ones, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, you guys know the story, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, that, that, was their, that, that wasn't their Hebrew names, and I just like to say, don't you like to say, Matt, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, let's say it together, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, uh, you know, these were the original Three Stooges, um, no, not honestly. But, but they were you know, they were asked to conform to worship the king's idol, and they refused. And because they refused to conform, because they refused to worship the king's idol, they were thrown in a fiery furnace. The furnace was so hot that the guys that threw them in died. And yet they weren't hurt. They weren't harmed. Not, not even their clothing was singed. And at one point they look in and they say, hey, there's not... This is an awesome story if you've not read it lately. There's not three guys in that furnace, there's four, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. <laughs> you know, powerful imagery of, of refusing to conform in the midst of their of refusing to conform, there's this transformation, not just in their life, but in the kingdom. Then you have the story of Daniel. Daniel's this older guy, and he's been in, in captivity for many years, in Babylon for many years, and and he's 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 told you can't pray to to anyone but to the king, and and so they set Daniel up so he gets caught praying because Daniel just refuses to be conformed, and they throw him in a lion's den, and 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 they come back the next day. Hey, Daniel, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> because he refuses to conform there's this transformation and the bible is story after story of men and women refusing to be conformed by this world acts the book of acts is in essence the narrative of the early church refusing to blend in and being transformed you have acts chapter one and jesus says wait Wait in Jerusalem, and then Acts chapter 2, while they're waiting in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit falls on them, and you have Pentecost, and then beginning in Acts chapter 3, you have this tremendous story. Peter and John are going to the temple, and as they're walking to the temple, there's this guy that's been lame since birth, and he, and he, and he asks for money from Peter and John, and I, I only know the story from the, the children's song we sang as, in church, you know, silver and gold, have we not? <laughs> Anybody remember that song, other than me? Okay. You guys won't raise your hands. I'm going to do a test. If you have an arm, raise it. Okay. Well, we have a few people with no arms, so we'll, we'll talk about that next service. Yeah. Silver and gold have we not, but such as we have we give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. <laughs> we don't have any money, dude, but stand up and walk. And, and, and our little song in the scripture says the guy went running and shouting and praising God. And so there was this, chaotic scene this riot in the temple this guy who's been lame for his entire life is running through the temple shouting and praising god because he can run and so this crowd gathers and of course anytime a crowd gathers peter does what he always does he preaches a sermon about jesus this guy's walking because of jesus you know this jesus remember you hung him on a cross and he died and then he rose from the dead and and, and you didn't understand who he was but he was the son of god and, and 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 it's been proven by his resurrection and this guy's walking because of jesus you know and of course those in authority don't like that and so they they arrest him and then the next morning they threaten him a little bit and and they say you know don't be you can do what you want you can believe what you want but stop sharing about this jesus and peter and john say which is right in god's eyes to listen to you or to him listen to you or listen to god you be the judges as for us we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard in other words conform follow your rules Follow what society wants. This isn't about following your rules. It's about following God. And we don't care what you're saying. We're going to follow God wherever he leads us. And then they gather back with with the other Christians and they begin to pray. And the scripture says the place where they were was shaken. And I wrote this down. God can shake up people who will hardly follow him regardless of pressure to the contrary. You want to be shaken? You want God to shake this place up? Then we've got to be a group of people that we don't care what anyone else says. We're going to follow him wholeheartedly. That's right. Can we talk about radical love? You know, what if we became people in this this congregation that radically loved other people? See, See, love's not about what it does for other people. Love's about what I'm letting flow through me. And what if we became people that radically loved other folks regardless of who they were or what they thought? Now, was controversial in the first service. You guys look like you can ex- accept a little bit of controversy. I oh, don't know, I don't know if they can. We'll try. Laugh, just laugh to make me feel better. Thank you. You know, we can accept someone that probably is, maybe, maybe you can't, that, that's living in a sexual relationship with someone else. But what about someone in an alternative lifestyle? Can can we love the sinner but not the sin? Is it possible that God's calling us to love to the extent that it doesn't matter who comes through the back door? We're going to love them. We may not accept everything they do, but we're going to love them because Jesus loved us where we were. You know, we may say, well, pastor... We can love them, but they may not change. Who cares? This isn't about the object of the love. This is about us, whether we're going to allow God's love to flow through us or we're going to say, not there. I'll do this, but not that. See, see, the world conforms us to this image where our love is restricted, even in the church world. Can we be honest? Even in the church world, it's possible to be restricted in our love and say, we can go there, but we can't go there. See, I just believe God says, just love. You know, you're not saying that everything other people's doing is right, and you can still pre. Can I tell you, sexual sin is wrong. Whether it's sex outside the marriage, whether it's homosexuality, it's wrong. It's against God's word. But you know what? I can love someone in a different lifestyle despite what I think about the sin. See, I believe God's calling us to this this radical love and and we're not going to be conformed by what the world says, by what anyone else says, what what a liberal agenda says, what a a conservative agenda says. We're not going to be conformed by any of that. We're going to be formed by this love of Christ that calls us just to radically love God other folks. And if they're in our presence, they're going to experience the love and the presence of Christ. And it's not going to be about whether they're changed and whether they accept our lifestyle and say, we're right. But it's because we believe God wants to flow through us. And anytime we block God flowing through us, we're blocking the move of God, not just in the life of others, but in our lives as well. See, we're not going to be conformed by anything. We're we're, we're going to have this radical love. We're we're going to follow regardless. We're we're going to be thankful and joyful regardless of what others around us say. We're, We're going to focus on good things regardless of what others are reading, listening, or watching or saying. Our attitude is going to be thankful and rejoicing and praising whether we're with a cynic or someone who's bitter. What we're going to give generously, even though financial gurus say, peace comes by saving. <laughs> I'm going to love and forgive, even when others tell me I have the right to take my vengeance. See, God's moving us from conformity to transformation. And the question is, how do we move from being conformed to being transformed? Transformed. And, and a couple of weeks ago, we, we, we used this ideal. God moves best in ordinary broken people. See, we tend to focus on our strengths and, and God wants to use me for what I can do and, and, and what I can earn. And, but, but God offers this different pathway to transformation. God says, submission leads to transformation. In your weakness, I am made strong. It's when you are submitted and broken before me that I can bring transformation in your life. When when we empty ourselves of ourselves, God can fill us with His Holy Spirit. Now, I've always heard it like this. When, when, when you're saved, you have all of the Spirit, but when you're sanctified, the Spirit has all of you. Now, could it be that in your life, it's not about God needing to do something else, but it's about you needing to let go of you. <laughs> and say, I can't. See, see, there came a point in my life where I just realized I couldn't do it anymore. You know, it was at the point where I said, God, I can't do this, that God said, you know, you're right, but I can't. See, I just kind of have this feeling that right now, right in this place, that we're at a point where God's waiting for us to say, I give. It's not about my pride. It's about not what other people think. But God, I just give up because I can't do this on my own. And I'm tired of trying. I'm be transformed Transformation begins in brokenness and submission. It begins in letting go of yourself and emptying yourself. In January, we're going to begin a a new series called Words to Build a Life Upon. And uh, it'll be based on the Beatitudes, the Kingdom Manifesto. This is Jesus' first sermon uh, that Matthew records. and, And I love it because Jesus begins this first sermon The Beatitudes is a poem or a song, and so as Jesus begins to to describe the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, he does it through poetry or a song, and and it's central to what God's trying to do, and he begins, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. In other words, as Jesus begins to explain this kingdom move, this fresh move in the world that God is trying to accomplish, Jesus says it begins with brokenness. It begins with mourning before God. and He moves on to some other more positive, less broken attitudes, but then he comes back to it. He says, but you are blessed when you're persecuted. In other words, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the persecuted the the beatitudes are bracketed with brokenness it's as if jesus is saying you know the beginning and the end of my father's kingdom is this attitude of brokenness this attitude of complete humility this attitude of complete dependence on god we never get to the point where, where, where we're doing this on our own the essence of the kingdom of god is submission to god And that's where Paul's going. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice and be transformed. In other words, Paul said, you know, stop doing this on your own and give your life to God. Give every fiber of your being to God and he can transform you. He can renew your mind. God's goodness can shine in and through your life. Completely submit to God. Be a sacrifice. Say, whatever you want, God, not my will, but your will, God. And God can renew and transform and shine through. Peter and John are an interesting object lesson. What happened to these guys? You know, they're ordinary guys. As a matter of fact, they're borderline at best. They're behind-the-door Christians. You say, well, sure, Pentecost. Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost came and they were full of the Spirit but something happened before Pentecost before they were full of the Spirit before God filled them Jesus said I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait don't try to do this you can't do this I want you to just go and wait and pray
1: now waiting's
0: waiting's not easy is it? if it's not easy say amen We want to do. And when God's not moving quick enough for us, we tend to try to initiate the action. We try to get things moving. If if God won't move, we will move. But the truth of it is this. Submitted followers have learned to wait and depend on God. And it's in the midst of this waiting, it's in the midst of this dependence that transformation occurs a couple of weeks ago russ took me and spencer out on his combine who's been out on a combine a few of you and It was a cool thing you know that big combine taking uh, the soybeans and spitting out the beans at the back of it and and uh, we had a good time and uh, did did like eight million bushels in like 30 seconds in that big machine that's a big thing but you know, Spencer and I asked the logical question all of us want to ask when we're on machinery like that Have you ever hit an animal, right? <laughs> and, and Russ said, Yeah, he said, you, you hit some groundhogs every once in a while and smaller animals, and he said those groundhogs will come out the end <laughs> like a dish rag, every bone in their body broken. Now, if you love little groundhogs and that offends you i'm sorry if you're like most people and think they're gross and (laughs) go but but maybe that's what you feel life's doing to you that you're you've kind of been hit by the combine of life and and it's just pushed you through and it spits you out the other side and you're laying behind the combine every bone in your body breaking broken that's kind of what the world does but see, God doesn't move like that. God offers transformation, not conformity. He offers holiness. Paul says, have the mind, have the attitude of Jesus Christ. And I, I think some people read the Bible and I think, oh, yeah, those are nice thoughts. But, but eh, can you really have an attitude, a mind like Jesus See, see, I tend to think if God instructs us to do something in the Bible, if God offers something out there for us to aspire to, to live to, God will give us the power to live to that. Do you believe that this morning? And so if God says through Paul, I want you to have the mind of Christ, I want your attitude to be different than the rest of the world. I want you to have this attitude of not my will, but your will, God. I want you to have this attitude of complete dependence and submission on God. I want you to be transformed. I want you to be renewed. If God's offering that and putting that in his word, I believe that we can live that. See, I think we tend to think of holiness as, as this this. Thing that God does in us and, 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 and I think this is something God's wanting to do through us this transformation this, this, this change and, and the path's not through our strength but through our weakness where I am weak he is strong where I depend on God he can move so let me ask you this morning are you being formed or transformed and I have some questions for you that will help us as we kind of close out here Has God moved you beyond your capabilities in the past six months, in the past month, in the last week, in the last year? Has there been a place in your life where God said, I want you to do this, and it's beyond what you know you can do on your own? So, Pastor, that's, that's not fair. The Bible's full of ordinary people that God said, I want you to leave your comfort zone and do something beyond you. Because when you do something beyond you, it brings glory to me. Let me ask you, are are you closer to God? Has your faith grown? Do you trust God more now than you did six months ago? A year ago? 20 years ago? See, I'm not a big believer in stagnant faith i'm not a big believer that you come to the altar one time and and then maybe a second time and and then you're done i believe our faith and our trust grows every day of our life and if your faith is less or the same as it was 20 years ago i wonder if you're growing in grace Where, where are you can you honestly say, if you, if you were to look at your life, that, that somehow your trust, your faith is bigger today than it was six months ago? Let me ask this. When Peter and John healed the lame man, you know what's interesting about that story? The lame man didn't profess any faith, did he? He just wanted a few coins. And somehow, through through Peter and John, God transformed this lame man's life. If you believe being able to walk after not walking is transformation, say amen. You know, and there was no, there, there's praising of God after, but before, there's nothing. Just a guy at the gate. Let me ask you this. See, see, I tend to think of holiness in this way, that that holiness is God shining through me. And it's, it's as if with Peter and John, that God's holiness shined through them in such a way that it was like splashing on people all around them. So, so, you know, Peter is so full of the presence of God, it's splashing out. You know, he's like a full bucket, and everywhere he goes, it splashes out. And he's so full of the Spirit, they're putting sick people in cots just so some of God can splash on them and they can be healed. Pretty radical, isn't it? Let me ask you. In the last week, in the last six months, in the last year, has anyone had transformation in their life? Not because they professed something, but because of the holiness of God, the, the, the grace of God, the love of God. You were so full of it, it was just splashing out all around you. You know, you you served in such a way that somebody's life was transformed. You loved in such a way. You gave in such a way. It was was like you couldn't contain it anymore. It It was all over everyone around you. When was the last time that happened? That because God, you were so full of God that his forgiveness was just spilling out of you and somebody was touched by his grace, even though they didn't even understand what they were being touched by yet. See, I think we tend to think of holiness as this internal thing that God does within us. That, you know, He makes us, you know, we achieve this level of personal piety. And I think that's a restricted way of looking at it. Because I think holiness is God flowing through me. And I got to tell you, it's not even God intentionally flowing through me in places that I've directed, but it's being so full of God that He's like splashing all around me. You know what our world needs? That needs God splashing all around them. Your family needs you to be so full of the Holy Spirit that when they're in your presence, he's just all over them because they're around you. You know, your neighbors, your coworkers, they they need you to come into work this week so full of the Spirit that the Spirit's just getting all over them. Is that possible? Is it possible? Is it possible that God's calling this church to be a church that when they come through those doors, they're splashed with grace? <laughs> they're splashed with love. They may not even like it. Right? But they get wet nonetheless. Ever been to Sea SeaWorld? Anybody been to SeaWorld? You know, the first three seats, what they call them? Splash zones. Wouldn't it be great if we could put on our, whatever you call that, video board, screen. <laughs> this is a splash zone. When you walk in those doors, you're going to get wet by the grace of God. Stand with me if you will. How's that happen? How does holiness shine through me in such a way that, that, that people can't help but be affected, that my faith grows, that I'm being transformed and not conformed? It happens through waiting. It happens through humility. It happens through brokenness. You know, pastors kind of fulfill a special role. You know, I don't get on the Internet and get a sermon to preach and try to present it in the most pleasurable way that I can, just so you can learn truths. But I believe as a pastor, and I don't hammer on this, that I sit in an anointed place, that God speaks through me for you. And I just truly believe that in this place, in this time, that God wants to move through people who are willing to let go of pride and just be broken before him. And to the extent that we're willing to do that, God will transform and move. So what do we have? We have altars and we use them. Altars are symbols of humility. You have to kneel. Altars are symbols of brokenness. Behind our altars, we have Kleenexes because people come and pray and cry. Altars are symbols of sacrifice. It's a symbol of giving myself to God. Altars are symbols of waiting. I just believe this morning that several just need to come and just wait on God. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to let go of some things. Maybe you need to commit some things. Maybe you need to empty yourself. But I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to wait. And I'd invite you to come, Lord. Help us to be obedient to your call. If you're if you're calling us to come to the altar now, Lord, I pray that we'll be obediently obedient quickly in Jesus' name. be seated. Um, it's five till. I'm going to wait just two or three minutes, and maybe you still want to come to the altar, and maybe you just want to pray in your pews, but we're going to spend just a couple minutes in prayer, then I'm going to close this in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, um, right now we declare your goodness, your holiness, your right to be praised. You are worthy. You're worthy of our, our, our uplifted song. You're worthy of our lives. And so, Lord, we give you praise for who you are, and we confess We confess, Lord, that without you, we're nothing. That that on our own, in our own righteousness, it's nothing but filthy rags. But, Lord, you offer friendship. You offer fellowship. You offer salvation. You offer sanctification. you, You offer... The mind of Christ that is willing to empty itself, that is willing to empty itself of pride and position and follow you. So, as Jesus did and Jesus showed us, we can be people who say, Not my will, but your will. And in doing so, Lord, we find not conformity to a way of life or following rules, but we find transformation, a renewed mind, the ability to show God's perfect and pleasing will in our life, an opportunity to move above chaos move beyond hopelessness, to to move into a life in which we have purpose and meaning, value and hope, where love shines through, where others are impacted because you've impacted us. We become your agents, your instruments, your ambassadors. That the church becomes the body of Christ in the world. We become a holy temples where your Holy Spirit can reside. So Lord, help us to be honest before you. To, to not just accept less than what you have to offer. To not go through the motions to not play games, but just to serve you with every fiber of our being. Lord, I pray for homes that need a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. I pray for neighborhoods and, and workplaces and school school places and, and all the places that we find ourselves this week. Lord, oftentimes it feels like we're distant from you when we're not in the church, but I, I believe somehow you're wanting to shine through us. That you make every place sacred. So help us, Lord. And keep us. Guide us. And as you move, Lord, may we move. Now, Lord, I give you praise and thanks for this morning, for both services, uh, for for our Sunday school classes, for all that's happened in this building in the last two or three hours. And I pray, Lord, that um, what's happened in this building will translate to change lives. That impacts what happens in our homes, our schools, where we work, where we shop next week. So that we come back, Lord, ready to worship you, ready to praise you, ready to hear again from your word. Because we know you're active and moving, loving and living. I love you, Lord. And I thank you for your work in my life. And I thank you for the work in this church as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.